0: Would you open your Bible with me this morning to the Book of Ephesians, Chapter Five? Ephesians, Chapter Five. And if you've joined with us these last few weeks, you've noticed that we're going and taking our time in Chapter Four and Five of the Book of Ephesians, where Paul here is exhorting, encouraging the believers in regards to their walk. And really, as we saw chapter 4, He opened up and He said, Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy. That was the first exhortation in regards to our walk as a response to His grace. Walk worthy. Then in chapter 5, He speaks of being imitators of God as His dear children, and walk in love. And the heart of what he's saying here, as Paul is exhorting the church of Ephesus, is that Christ should be our pattern. Christ should be our pattern. The believer's position has changed from darkness, which was sin, to light, which is holiness. We once walked in darkness. We once lived in darkness. We occupied that space of darkness, but no longer. We have been saved, and now we walk in light, which is Holiness. So, because God is love, walk in love. And today, because God is light, we are called to walk in light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus told his disciples, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world, he says. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So, today we've titled the message. The fruit of walking in light. The fruit of walking in light. And where we left off last Sunday it was in verse 7, where he says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Because you're walking in love, you're no longer or living in sin, and these sins of fornication and uncleanness and of filthiness, these no longer should have a place in your life. And he ends with this, Therefore, Do not be partakers with Him. Don't live like that. God's called you out of that. Don't participate. Don't be involved. Don't associate. Don't partner yourself with these sins. The sins of your past. Just think about it like this. If you're still watching the same things you were watching when God called you out of darkness, then you're still partaking. If you're still talking the same way or a part of those conversations, then you are Partaking. If you're still touching those things that God freed you from, then you are still partaking. So, here in chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, he's going to exhort us to walk in light. And he exhorts in three different ways. He says, Walk in light, number one. Then watch your fellowship. So important if we are to walk in light. And then finally, to wake up. Number three, wake up. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, Wake up? Some people literally just woke up right now. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning? Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, I'll read the even verses. and You will read the odd verses out loud together. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. For it is shameful even to speak about those things which are done by them in secret. Therefore He says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead in Christ. We'll give you light. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before your word today, we come, Lord, in, in reverence and in fear. We ask, Lord, that today, Lord, we would leave the darkness behind. That you would speak to us, that your spirit would free us from a life of darkness that you would expose, that you would reveal, that you would make manifest as we hold your word today, and Lord, we trust it as the authority in our lives. So speak to us as if this message was for us personally, in Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. You may be seated. Here in the first section of the text that we're going to read as he exhorts to walk in light, Paul is giving a contrast he's segregating between light and darkness. He's distinguishing now a direct contrast between light and darkness. And he says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Passing from darkness to light. We see the contrast here. And notice us in verse 8, as Paul writes to the church, he doesn't say you once were in darkness. He says you once were Were darkness. Would you note that in your Bible there? You once were darkness. And what does it describe that? That we were once darkness. It means we once were living in sin. It was a life of darkness or a life here of vanity. Darkness describes the unregenerate life, a person that has not been born again of the Spirit now, that's living a life without God. They're living in darkness. They are darkness. And it describes a life that is void of truth. Darkness means there's no truth there. There's no virtue. There's no intellectual, moral now knowledge. It, you're living in ignorance. So he says, you once were living void of truth. You once were living in ignorance. You didn't know any better. In fact, once you were living for the vanity of this life. You once were unconverted. And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says, because of this, because we were in darkness, we were separated from God. We were living in deception and we were living in disobedience. That was our past. In fact, notice the contrast that he makes here. But now, verse 8, but now you are l- children or you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. How many of us are grateful of that but now that it's the grace of God that has changed our lives? Amen. We were in darkness, but now we're in light. And notice that it describes it, we're light in the Lord. He says, but that's not who you are anymore. Before you didn't know the truth, before you were ignorant, before you were lost in bondage to sin and vices, addictions, but that's not who you are anymore. In fact, you are light in the Lord. He's making a a distinction here, a separation. Now when you read this, I want you to look at this and notice that he says light, and then he says darkness. He doesn't say light, gray, and then darkness. And oftentimes in our life, we think, you know, we were in darkness, but now we're in gray. You know what gray is? It signifies areas of compromise in our lives that we should make no room for. The Christian is not called to live in gray areas. You are called to live in light in the Lord. There is no room for compromise in our lives. Where we say, "Well, I'm take a little bit of that darkness that I used to live in and I'm going to bring it into the light and I think that I can have that and light at the same time." No. He says, "Now you are called to be light in the Lord." Therefore, verse 8, "Walk as children of light because you've come to christ now because you've received jesus and you have been saved by the blood of of the lamb now you are to walk or to live as children of light we are to change our walk to correspond to our position you are to change your life now that it would match you to be consistent now to your position and that you would live in light light in the bible is a symbol It's a symbol of two things. It refers to two things. If you like taking notes, write this down. Light in the Bible always refers to, number one, truth. And light in the Bible also refers to holiness. So now you are to walk in truth and you are to walk in holiness. This should affect your life when it comes to truth and when it comes to obedience. What does truth do for us when it refers to light? Truth. When it refers to light, it gives us direction. As we look to God's Word today, and you have it there in your hand, the truth of God's Word is giving you the direction. In Psalms 119, the psalmist David would say this, Psalms one nineteen, one o five. 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your truth, your Word, is a lamp to my feet. It is the truth now that gives me, sheds light for my path. We are to walk in the truth in the light of God's word. But also, light is referred to as holiness. We are to walk in holiness. What does holiness do for us? It, It now refers us to the right fellowship. John said this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. This is God's message. We're giving it to you that God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness at all. In God, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. If you say that you're walking with God, that you know God, that you're fellowship with God, but you're walking in darkness, you're lying. Don't fool yourself. You can't say that you're walking with the Lord as you come to church on Sunday and declare that, profess that, with your lips on Sunday, but you possess something else with your life on Monday. And this is exactly what he's saying. You're living in darkness, you're lying, and you're inconsistent. But if we say that we walk in light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. What does it mean to walk in light? It means that we as His children or to resemble, or to reflect the character and the nature of God in our lives. We can't say we know God, we're walking with God, but living like the world. Still accepting those things that God delivered us from. Those vices and those addictions. In fact, when he says here, to walk or to live in light as his children, it means to live before the eyes of God, hiding nothing. That's what it means to walk in light. That you're living before the eyes of God, not before the eyes of man only, but before the eyes of God hiding nothing. Today it's very easy in the world that we live in to hide things from people. You can hide things from a family member, your spouse, a relative, a friend, your coworkers, even the church. You can hide things from other people because people can't see your heart. They can't see your mind. But I want you to know something this morning. All things are naked before God. They're all naked before God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the apostle would say this And there is no creature hidden. There's nothing that's hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. One day, we will have to give an account for those things that nobody knew about, but we did. And this is exactly what he's saying that you would live and walk as children of light, that you would have nothing to hide. Someone once went up to Charles Spurgeon, that great prince of preachers, as they would call him, and an author approached him and said, uh, Charles Spurgeon, pastor, would you allow us or give us permission now to write your life story now in a book? He said, "Did you give us the permission to write that? And he replied to that great preacher, you may write my life in the skies. I have nothing to hide. <laughs> Just think about the life of integrity of a man that was w- walking in light. You see, walking in light as a child of God is so important because, number one, it's your testimony. Would you write that down? It is your testimony. Walking in light is your testimony. Peter told the church as they were going through persecution as the world around them was dark in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. You are God's chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're called to be holy. In fact, he says, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That you would proclaim how God called you out of bondage. He called you out of vices. He called you out of addictions, out of alcohol, out of the fornication, out of the covetousness, out of the coarse jesting and, and, and dirty foul mouth in which you had before. He called you out of that so that you would proclaim those praises because you've been called into His marvelous light. And what is he saying? That it, it, as a royal priesthood, it is beneath our dignity to indulge in the practices of the lost world that is outside of the kingdom of God. God's called you out of those things, and it's impossible to live in darkness and light at the same time. You know, sometimes we think that we can bring in those things back into the light, but it's impossible. Walking in light is your testimony. But walking in light is also your witness. Walking in light is your witness. What did Jesus tell the multitudes in the Sermon on the Mount when it comes to being a light? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't hide that type of light. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world now. Why? Because we are reflecting God's light in our daily lives. What does that mean? That your nature, your character, the way that you walk, the way that you live is a reflection now of the character of God. And with our light, we're helping other people find their way to Jesus. That's why you are the light of the world. Because you're calling your witness, your light, is to help other people find their way to Jesus. When we shine our light, it's not so that people can look at us. It's not so that we can get attention. Everybody wants to get attention today. We live in a social media world and culture that it's all about setting an image for people to look at and to admire. He's not speaking of that. He's speaking of the image of the inside. He's saying you are the light of the world. Not so that people can say, well, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at me. No, it's, so that you as a light can say, look at Him, look at Jesus. And that's exactly what he's saying. You are the light of the world. It's your witness. But walking in light is also your new nature. Notice how there in verse 8 it says, as children of light. You are the child of light now. And Paul tells the Philippians the same thing when he says to walk in unity, to walk in harmony. To walk in holiness. Philippians chapter 2.15, he says, That you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault, that you would be innocent in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. You see, that you are called now in your new nature as a child of light now to display or to reflect now a blameless life That only points people to Jesus. As children of light, as we look at verse 8, it's important that we display the light, but that we would understand what is the characteristics of light. This is why in verse 9, he's going to describe the fruit or the characteristics of walking in light. First, he gives us a contrast between light and darkness. But now this is the characteristic in verse 9, The fruit of walking in light. Notice it says this. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Here he's referring to the fruit of walking in light. This is the mark of walking in light as the Holy Spirit is working in your life now. The fruit by where the believers are distinguished from the unbelievers now who are walking in darkness is number one here in all goodness. If you want to know if you're truly walking in light, these three things will be present in your life. These three things will be present in the life of that man or woman of God that is truly walking in light. The first one is goodness. Galatians 5.22, Paul says the same thing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. This is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And goodness there as we define it means love in action. Would you write that down? Love in action. Or it means kindness in action. Goodness speaks of a generosity. If you're walking in light, you're going to be a person that is willing to serve other people. That is willing to sacrifice. That is willing to be generous with other people with acts of kindness or of love. It's The act of goodness now is the natural result of walking in light. Goodness means to be God-like. It is God's nature that He is Loving, that he is kind, that he is generous. So, the fruit of walking in light, number one, is before other people in your goodness. But, secondly, notice it describes the fruit of walking in light is also righteousness. And this speaks of your character, the rightness of character before God. That God sees our character. The fruit of walking in light is the rightness of character before God and the rightness of actions. Before man. So first, it's goodness, and then it's righteousness. Write this down next to that word righteousness. Obedience. If you're walking in light, your life is going to be a life of obedience. A life of holiness. Where you're abstaining from every form of evil. Paul tells the church of Thessalonica, abstain from that. Don't touch that anymore. Don't look at that anymore. Don't taste that anymore. Don't participate that anymore. Abstain from those things. If you're walking in light, there's goodness, there's holiness, there's obedience. But finally, number three, there's also truth. And what does truth mean here? It means that that both goodness and righteousness according to God's Word and God's will, which is truth. It speaks of honesty. Or here, truth, we can define it also as integrity or sincerity, where there is no room in your life for hypocrisy. No duplicity that you are one thing to a group of people and then a different thing to a different set of people. It says that there would be integrity. That there would be trustworthiness. You see how important he's describing here the characteristics of light? The characteristics of light are known in goodness. The true evidence in the fruit that you're walking in light, it's in obedience, in holiness. But also it's in truth Before self in integrity. What is it that God desires? The psalmist in Psalms 51, verse 6, there where David repented before the Lord after committing adultery and then murder. He wrote in Psalms 51, verse 6, Behold, you desire truth, God. You desire truth in the inward parts, not in the outward part only. But the inward part, you desire integrity. And in the hidden part, where no one can see. That's what it means to walk in light. Where no one can see, there is truth. It's been said before, the most important part of your life is the part that only God sees. Is the part that only God sees. And the psalmist would say that, behold, you desire truth. So the light of Christ in us produces these three things They give evidence to what is good, what is right, and what is true. And when your life is living and when you're walking in light, notice what's going to happen. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You're going to carefully determine. That's what that means. Your life is going to naturally prove what is acceptable. You're going to test or prove by clear or convincing and convicting now evidence that what you're doing is truly honoring God in His eyes. This is why in verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to who? To the Lord in His eyes. You think when we read that verse and you look at that word acceptable, it's so oftentimes that in this world we want to be accepted before people. We want to be liked, admired. And at the cost of wanting to be accepted by the world, we start to accept the things of the world. And here he's saying, when you're truly walking in light, you're going to find out what's acceptable to the Lord, not to man, not to the world, not to people. You're going to be able to prove it with your life. This verse, it's an invitation for examination. Would you notice that? It's an invitation to examine our lives. Would you find out what truly honors God, what God truly accepts in our lives, that we would be willing to, To live under the microscope of his light. Find out what's acceptable. Look at your life, and that your life would prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Isn't that what Paul now told the church there in Romans chapter 12? As you respond to God's mercy, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you would prove what is good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. What does he say? that you would live a life of obedience. A life of obedience. Find out. Prove. Test. Is what I'm doing right now, is this acceptable before God? What I'm watching, what I'm a part of, am I still enslaved to those things that God has called me out of? What kind of fruit is my life producing? That is the question there in verse 10. Find out. Test. Prove with your life that what you're doing is acceptable. Would you prove it in the light? Not in darkness. Prove it in the light. Jesus told the multitudes in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. When he spoke to them about examination, he said this, a good tree cannot bear bad fruits. He said, I'm going to break it down for you. Make it very simple. When you have a good tree, it can't bear bad fruit. Nor a bad tree, it cannot bear, now, good fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, notice the judgment here, It's cut down and it's thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You will truly know if someone's following Christ by the fruit in their life. How do they talk? How do they walk? What comes out of their heart when they speak? By their fruit, you will know them. It will be evident. It will be obvious. And here He's speaking of a life that is walking in the... Light of God's word now and the light of God's truth now. And light reveals God's goodness. It produces fruit, but it also, notice what it does, it exposes what is wrong. Light always exposes what is wrong. If you grab a a piece of rock or a diamond and they put it under that microscope, what do they start to look at? All the imperfections, all the impurities, all the cuts now. They can see under the light, they can see the impurities And so likewise, he's saying, number one, walk in light, but number two, watch your fellowship. Watch your fellowship. He spoke of contrast. Now he's going to speak of your company. What kind of people do you associate yourself with? So he says in verse 11, notice as he says, watch your fellowship, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Have no company. Have no fellowship. A warning. Take no part. That word of fellowship, when we we think about it, it, what it really means is a sharing and an intimacy with one another. So he's saying avoid sharing or participating or associating yourself with people that still practice the unfruitful works of darkness. Paul's instruction here is plain, it's direct, it's clear. He's saying don't sin with them. Don't sin with them anymore. That was your old life. You used to go out and used to do those things. Do not sin with them anymore. Think about when God's called you out of darkness and maybe you were living a life where you were drinking and doing drugs and, and all kinds of addictions with people and vices, and God called you out of that. He's also called you not to spend time with those people anymore because they'll lead you right back into bondage. So He says, don't fellowship with them anymore. Their word, their works are as worthless Deeds—they have no spiritual value. Notice how he describes it: they're unfruitful. It's unfruitful. What am I getting? What kind of spiritual benefit will you receive if you go to that place where you know that people are doing things that you used to do? And that's exactly what he's describing here. It's an unfruitful work of darkness. I remember talking to a young girl that had come to the Lord and inviting her to church to an event after she's already come in and gave her a, a flyer for an event for the women. And she told me, you know what, I, I won't come and, and I know none of my friends will come and I have no friends that will come to me to this event. And I told her, if, if you don't have any friends that will come with you to church, then you need to find yourself a new set of friends. Because you need to be spending time with people that are going to encourage you. Do you have people in your life that are going to come to church with you, they're going to grow with you, that are going to encourage with you, encourage you? In 1 Corinthians chapter six, Paul told that carnal church, they were allowing carnality, the flesh, the works to come into that church. He had a problem with that church, and he said, "What communion does light have with darkness? What do you think you're doing? You have no business over there anymore. You have no business fellowshipping, sharing time participating with those people anymore. What fellowship does communion have with darkness? In fact, he says, you're unequally yoked. Why is it that some of you are fellowshipping with unbelievers? Believers with unbelievers. And then notice what happens. It's destructive. It brings a lot of hurt and it leads you to sin. He tells the church there that we're being consumed by the culture of sin in Corinth. Sexual sin was so popular in that time. He said, therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Come out, be separated from them, says the Lord. Don't touch what's unclean and I will receive you. Maybe today for you, the Lord is telling you that. Don't touch what's unclean and I'm going to receive you. You see, here as he's describing this in verse 11 is that Christians, we believers, are to live in holiness, but here's another word for us, is Purity. Everything that's in the world is unpure. It's, it's sexual. It's, it's fornication. It's, it's to do with drugs. It's to do with pornography. I was reading a study recently that the sins of sexuality and sins are so addictive that we have to protect the minds of little children. That what happens in your brain, the chemical now reactions of your brain, what happens in your brain when someone is exposed for the first time to pornography It only takes 12 seconds of watching pornography to get addicted. 12 seconds. Think about that. This is exactly why he's saying, have no fellowship with those things that will expose you to those old sins. Have nothing to do with the evil ways of the works of Satan and the world, regardless of the consequences. You would say, well, they're my friends. You don't know how long I've known them. God will bring people into your life that are going to encourage you to walk in the way of light so that you don't have to compromise. In 1 Corinthians 5.11, it would say, Paul tells the church of Corinth, but now I have written to you that you would not keep company. Don't keep company with anyone that is named a brother, anyone that calls himself a Christian who is sexually immoral or covetous or it's an idolater. If they're doing these things they call themselves a Christian, don't keep company with them or a drunkard, or an extortioner, or even eat with such a person. Don't even sit down and eat with that type of a person. Why? Because they're going to bring you into compromise. To, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, he says it again, But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you withdraw yourself from every brother who walks disorderly. Withdraw yourself. Why? Because evil company corrupts good Habits. Would you remember that this morning? Evil company corrupts good habits. Notice that, as it says in verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works. Don't fellowship with those things anymore. But rather, expose them. The word expose means reprove them, correct them. Don't deal lightly with sin. Don't accept it. Don't be neutral about it. Don't tolerate it. Oftentimes it's so easy to say, well, I'm not a part of it, but I tolerate it. Well, you're still participating by association. So he says it there, but rather expose them. Light always exposes darkness. And the darker the day is today, the brighter, the stronger our light should be for Christ. So your responsibility as a believer, as you look to verse 11, is not only to stop at your rejection of evil, but you're also called to expose and to oppose darkness whenever it's found, especially if it's found in the church. What does it say? Expose those things. Don't hide those things. There's times in our lives that well, we know something, let me just hide it under the rug. That's not what God's called you to do. Expose those things so that we no longer walk in darkness so that God now is honored by the way we do things and we can walk in light. You have nothing to hide in your life that you can't say, you know what, uh, well, I know this, or I know that, but I, you know what, I'm just going to put that to the side. You know what that's called compromise. And God's not honored in that. Notice in verse 12, it says, expose him, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. He gives us here a, a caution to be careful. Because this is offensive to spiritual modesty or spiritual purity. It's shameful. It's filthy and it's ugly. Here it says it. You notice how direct he's being. It's, it's filthy. It's not accepted. It is not to be approved by God or people. It's despicable morally, spiritually now. And we should not speak about it or mention it unless we're going to contradict it or oppose it. It, it, it brings no spiritual benefit. So, don't even speak about those things. It's so corruptive. It draws you back into your sin. In fact, there are oftentimes that we're so obsessed with speaking about our past that oftentimes it can corrupt and lead people back into those sins. You don't have to speak about your past. Why don't you speak about what God's doing in your life today and how He saved you, how you're serving Him, and give Him all the glory and praise for that? Because He says there in verse. 12, not even to speak about those things. There are times in Christians we become so curious, right? are the movies that come out of really dark things, the occult, demonic things, he said don't go looking for those things, don't go searching for darkness, don't spy out the sins of fellow men, there's nothing entertaining about darkness, You say, well, you know what, I like to get the adrenaline or the sensation uh, of something that, that has to do with darkness or demonic spirits. Do not find any type of entertainment in dark things. You know what it does? It opens the door to the devil. It opens the door to the devil. And he says, it's a shameful thing to even speak about those things that are done by them in secret. Behind closed doors, the things that happen behind closed doors, it's shameful to even speak about those things. As a children of God, you know what we are to do, seek those things of God. Don't seek darkness. If you seek the devil, you know what's going to happen? You're going to find him. And he, he is much stronger than you are. I want you to know that. But if you seek Jesus Christ and you go to His word and you seek God in His word, then you're going to find freedom, forgiveness, grace and love in all that take place in the light. Don't go searching for things in darkness. Search for the things, seek out for the things that are from the light. What's from the light? The Word of God. Proverbs 6.23 For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. This is the light. That which you have in your hand right now is the light. It reproves, it brings instruction, it brings us the way of life. Hebrews chapter, or 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul tells Timothy this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. These are the things that we should speak about. Not things that are going to bring now a disgrace to our spiritual walk, but those that are going to edify. And notice verse 13. But all things, not some things, all things that are exposed. Again here. it uses that word exposed. All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. All things that are exposed. The word exposed means all things that are corrected. All things that are reproved. All things that are discovered. Well, how are they discovered? They're made manifest by the light. They are revealed. They're convicted by the Spirit when the light is present. All type of evil intention all type of evil motivation all these things will be exposed when the light shines on them why because light refuses to coexist with darkness now and what is the light that we should be reflecting the very nature of god so that other people are transformed by the illumination of our words and our actions now and that we make sin appear as sinful you know what happens oftentimes That we are tolerant of sin and sin no longer appears as something that's sinful. So here it says expose those things. And what is it it that's going to expose those things? The light, the holiness, the integrity in our life. If there's, there's darkness taking place around us, we shouldn't accept it or pretend like it's not there. Bring it to the surface and deal with it. Make sure nothing is hidden. Bring it to the surface and deal with it. Notice in verse 13, what does it say? For whatever makes manifest is light. Light makes everything visible. Stop hiding things. Stop thinking you can hide things. Because here in verse 13, it, 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 it really clearly tells us you won't get away with it. You won't get away with it. The light and the truth that, that exposes the true character of things is found in God's Word. It exposes the secret sins that are even taking place in our lives. Jesus said to Himself in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed. You think that you can keep a secret? You can't. There's nothing in your life that you think, well, this is a secret sin. God knows about it. You may think it's a secret. It's not a secret to Him. This will be revealed. But you say, well, I'm just going to keep it quiet. People will find out. Nor anything hidden that will not be known and it will come to the light. Everything that is secret eventually comes to the light. Remember that. Whether it's hiding, cheating, lying. A secret sin that you would think it's going to come to the light. So we are called to do things, everything that we do, that we would live in the light. That there would be no hiding out in darkness. No hiding out in darkness. In John chapter 3, verse 20, notice what Jesus would say, For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Everyone that practices evil, they hate coming to the light or spending time with people. Why? Because they sense the conviction now. Thus his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. If you're doing things in the truth, if you're doing things God's way, in God's Word, You're going to do them in the light, in front of everyone. You're not going to have to hide it. You're not going to have to say, well, I'm doing this, but I'm just going to do this behind closed doors. No, you're going to do it in front of everyone because there's nothing wrong with it. That his deeds may be clearly seen that they were done in God. If they're done in God, then why do you have to hide it? If what you're doing, you're doing it decently and order God's way in the light, then why do you have to hide it? Notice, if you're living in the light, you have nothing to worry about, nothing to hide. Why? Because you live in the confidence of God's Word. I was reading a book yesterday by A.W. Tozer, and he said this, don't defend your church or your organization against criticism. If the criticism is false, it can do no harm. (laughs) If it is true, you need to hear it And you need to do something about it. How true is that? Sometimes we get so worked up about criticism. Or the people are saying stuff about us. If what they're saying is not true, then it can do no harm. (laughs) But if what they're saying is true, then you need to hear it. And you need to do something about it. But if you're walking and living in the light, then no matter what people say, you have the confidence, hey, bring it to the light. I have nothing to hide Why? Because the light reveals everything. I don't have to live in suspicion because I'm living in the authority of walking the light. And notice what he says, finally, in verse 14, after having said to walk in light, to watch your fellowship, then he says, wake up. Verse 14, wake up. There he says, this is an exhortation from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, where the nation of Israel was called to put on the light of God's glory there in the Old Testament. Put on the light of God's glory. The Lord is speaking through the prophet Isaiah now. In the midst of a surrounding darkness that they were living in during that time, the nation of Israel. He speaks now. The Lord speaks to them now because they were not shining. They were as those that were dead spiritually. And notice what he says there. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep. You know what we need oftentimes? We cry out and we say, Lord, we want revival, Lord, in this world. We want revival in this world. But before we ask for revival in the world, maybe we need to ask for awakening in the church. That we would wake up out of sleep. You know, wake up, notice how it says, wake up you who are sleeping spiritually. Sleeping spirit. You can be sleeping spiritually and still come to church. Have you ever heard someone talk on their sleep? or move around in their sleep, or maybe walk in their sleep, there are those that do that. So likewise, you can come to church and and maybe even go through the motions, but spiritually, you're sleeping. So he says, because of this, therefore, he says, awake, you who are sleeping. You're unresponsive to spiritual things. You can't discern spiritual things. It's hardly discernible now that, that you are saved from those that are unsaved. Notice what he, how he describes it. Arise from the dead. Awake and arise. You know what he's saying? Awake and arise. Wake up and get up. <laughs> Write that down this morning. Wake up and get up to spiritual things. The church is not called to sit back, to be sleeping spiritually, especially in the day that we're living in. Maybe you find yourself sleeping when it comes to your personal holiness in your life. Sleeping when it comes to evangelism or to prayer. Wake up. As you look at the world, the wars, the pestilences, the things that determine that we are living in the last days, notice we are living in a time where we truly need to wake up. In fact, what is it going to take for you to wake up? What else is it going to take for the church to wake up? Because it says, wake up, and it says, arise from the dead. Spiritually, there is no response. Spiritually, there's no response. When it comes to prayer, no response. When it comes to the Holy Spirit moving, no response. When it comes to now fellowship, fellowshipping in the light or holiness or exposing darkness, there's no response. Here he's saying, wake up. You can't even tell that what you're doing is wrong. Because you're spiritually sleeping. You know what's so difficult oftentimes with people that are spiritually sleeping or walking in the dark, that because they're spiritually sleeping, they don't even know it. They can't see it. Why? Because sin always clouds your vision in the dark. That's what we have to say. You know what? Whatever is taking place in the dark, I don't want to be a part of it because only sinful things take place there. Come out in the light. Let's do everything in the light where everything honors the Lord. And notice what it says, and Christ will give you light. He will be your light. He will be your salvation. So for the believer and for the unbeliever alike, this verse is encouraging us to be transformed from darkness to light, to uh, children of God's holy light. That we would go from those graveyards of darkness in the past to walking in the light of salvation. That graveyard of the past, of bondage, of sin, of death, that is the past, that is darkness. Now we're called to wake up now and walk in the light. Because we have no business walking in darkness. In fact, in Psalms 27 verse 1, the psalmist would say this, when it comes to God being our light, our salvation, that He's going to give us light, He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. If you're walking in light today, you can say the same thing. People may say things about you. They may criticize you. They may turn their back on you. They may threaten you and oppose you. But you can say this, I'm walking in the light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I'm going to fear no one because I fear God only. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? you think I'm afraid? I'm not afraid of anyone. I'm confident standing in the light of the truth. Come and expose me, come look at my life. You're a child of God. Romans 13 verse 11 as we end. Write this down, Romans 13:11, it says this, "And do this, do this. Don't just say this. A lot of times we walk out of the message, "Oh man, that was a good one." And then we don't do nothing. <laughs> and do this, knowing the time, discern the time. Be aware of the time is saying. It's urgent that now it is high time. You're running out of time right now. You're running out of time to awake out of sleep. Wake up out of sleep. Realize that what you're doing is wrong. Realize that what you're saying is wrong. Realize now. Wake up. You're fooling yourself in darkness. You know what happens in darkness? Deception. Disobedience. What happens in light? Truth. Holiness. Wake up out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We're that much more closer than when we first gave our life to the Lord. Our salvation, our ultimate redemption, we're going to be caught up to be in heaven with the Lord. We are more closer today than we ever have been before. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. The night, the darkness, your past, that is far spent already. That is wasted time. But the day, what is before you, is at hand. Therefore, cast off today. Many of us need to cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, cast off and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revilery, not in divisions, not in drunkenness. Notice what it describes not in lewdness, not in sexual sin. Not in lust, not in strife or an envy or divisions. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision or opportunity for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no opportunity for the flesh to fulfill its love. So if you're walking in lust, now you're called to walk in love. If you're walking in darkness, now you're called to walk in light. And I want you to know something. You may think it's a secret that nobody knows. But God knows it. And if he knows, then we need to repent from it. So that we can go back to walking in light and not have to walk in darkness. Notice what it says in 1 John. You're lying and you don't practice the truth. Today, if we want to honor the Lord, we have to say, Lord, we're coming before you asking that you would remove these works of darkness from our life because we want to put on the armor of light. And only, in order to walk in light, you have to be wearing the armor of light. And maybe today you've been wearing the armor of the world instead of the armor of light. And if that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Let's go ahead and pray.